A few weeks, a year and a half ago or so, I talked to John Pratt about preaching. Uh, I want to have as many people as we can knowing the word and being able to communicate the word. So a while back before all this started, we fixed this date as the day that he was going to preach for us, and I decided, why change it? If he's comfortable uh, preaching this way, why change it? So, John, come over here. Take the seat. Okay. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for John. I thank you for his love for your word, and I pray that you will bless him this morning, help him to communicate clearly and effectively what our passage says for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Wes. And thank everybody that's able to join us this morning. And uh, I want to spend a little time looking at the Gospels, uh, specifically. We're going to look at Luke uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. So if, you, if you're following along with your Bible, if you want to pull that out. And I want to talk a little bit about temptation and what the Bible teaches us about it, kind of using this as an example of... Um, the different layers of meaning that we can find in the Bible, how it teaches us, how we can use it to uh, face our daily struggles. So, uh, so we'll start with reading those verses. Again, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Next, he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you and... On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. So there, there's a lot packed in there, you know, like a, a lot of the verses in the Bible. And at face value, we can see, you know, Examples here where we should resist temptation. <clears throat> so I want to talk a little bit about kind of our view on temptation and how we can call on Jesus to help us through those, help us overcome those temptations and, and those moments of weakness that we all have. And as we know, the, the devil, he works tirelessly. He's out there tempting us. He's finding those weaknesses that we have, offering those temptations in front of us and uh, doing what he can to help us succumb to those. But we need to look at, we need to look to Christ for help. We need to look to the Holy Spirit for, for strength. So I want to just dive into this a little bit, looking at temptation and sin with you. They're around us every day, 
and we're always faced with those decisions. Do we give in to it? Do we not? How do we overcome them? Some of these temptations are small things. Uh, some of them are large, pretty significant. It might be telling a little white lie so you can avoid an uncomfortable situation. Um, you know, it might be uh, a little gossip about something your neighbor did. Maybe you're the person that was in line yesterday and bought all the toilet paper. I don't know. No judging. Um, you know, maybe it's Grand Theft Auto. You know, any, any number of things. So when we're faced with those, do we give in? Are we able to overcome them? Do we have the strength to overcome them? Do we get that easy, the easy buck today and worry about an honest job tomorrow? You know, or so the saying goes. So what, what's your sin? What's your weakness? We all have uh, something that we struggle with on a, you know, on a regular basis. There's, you know, we all have that weakness that's specific to us. You know, what's yours? How do you struggle with it? Um, do you worry about what God thinks? What he thinks of, you know, when you succumb to that weakness? Um, are you worried about, you know, maybe it's not the sin itself. Maybe it's the Christian life that you're leading. Do you worry about if you're doing a good job? You know, is your Christian life limited to Sundays? Or are you mindful of your words and actions uh, throughout the week? And what you do. <clears throat> or maybe you're a little more concerned with that and how, how God views that, how he thinks you're doing. So we all struggle in some way, and the Bible's here, you know, to, to help us through whatever we might be struggling with in life. And and there's times I you know, I do this sometimes I think, you know, I'm just I'm average, I'm mediocre. Just a regular Joe. You know, why why would God be worried about how I'm doing, how I'm struggling with something? You know, it's, it's minor, you know, compared to, you know, the bigger problems, the coronavirus and other stuff going on in, in the world. And, you know, we can't get lost in that train of thought. You know, it's kind of a rabbit hole that we shouldn't go down. And, and sometimes that, that train of thought can stop us from, from praying and asking for help when we need it. You know, nothing's, nothing's too small to ask God for help. And... <clears throat> The other thing that we have to be cautious of is questioning God. Does he, does he really know what I'm going through? Does he know what it's like? And, you know, and that, that's not really a question we should ask. It's not something that, um, that's an issue because God knows. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we're struggling with. And I think what we'll talk about in a little bit is how God knows exactly what we're going through. And he knows better than we probably think he does or maybe better than, more than we give him credit for. So, and I want to assure you that he does. And if, you know, one of the things we learn from the Bible is that it tells us, uh, tells us that God is in three divine persons, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And that's important to remember. And there's, there's something that helps me when I'm dealing with issues, when I'm trying to relate to God, when I'm trying to ask for help, when I'm trying to understand why things are happening, why obstacles are put in front of me in my life, you know, or why I see other people struggling with things. And I often, I think of, of God as, as a father, as a father figure, and he really is. After all, he gave life to Adam and Eve and to all of us, and he has spent time, put a lot of effort into trying to guide us, 
give us the tools that we need so we can be successful in life, so we can be happy, so we can um, see the gifts that he's given us, so that we can make good use of them, so that we can have good morals, good ethics, help other people. And if we think about it from that perspective, that's, that's just what our parents tried to do for each of us. And for those of you that are parents, that's what you know, we try to do with our kids. You know, that's what I'm always thinking of in the back of my mind, you know, with my daughter and trying to lead by example. And, and God has done that for us. So in the beginning, God actually interacted with, you know, the first of his people. You know, he spoke directly with Adam and Eve, with Job, with Moses, with others, giving them that guidance, that instruction that they needed, um, sometimes correcting their path. And in that process, there's times where we, we honored him, we did well. And there's times where we failed, sometimes failed miserably. And, and that's just, that's who we are. He knows, he understands that we have weaknesses, that we're not always going to be there. But he's trying to give us the tools that we need. And after some time, that, was, that obviously wasn't working. It wasn't uh, bringing everybody to him. And so he offered up another tool for us. He had the Bible written through divine inspiration. And the Bible is a life manual. It has everything we need, everything that we need to face the challenges that life throws at us. It's in here. How to deal with it, how to process it, it's in here. And so that's there for a reference for all of us. And the more we get to know the Bible, the easier it'll be to deal with those things, to face those things head on. Um, and even having the Bible, having God speak directly with people, that didn't work for everybody. People were still being led astray, led away from God. And so he took it a step further, and he sent his son to earth. Uh, and why? Why did he send Jesus down here? Well, he sent him to be a, a living example for us of how we should live our lives, how we can honor God, how we should treat other people. And so when we think about that, Jesus was born here on earth just like us. He grew up in an average home. He went through child, his childhood years, adolescent years. You know, we know adolescence can be a struggle at times, and his adult life. You know, he became a carpenter. He had to earn a living. He worked. He, as he grew and matured, he learned about himself. He learned about people. He learned about his desires, helping humanity, um, figuring out how to do that, how to move forward with his mission in life. And, and we can learn a lot from that. But I guess the point there is that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all the same, all the same. And Jesus led his life here on earth just like much of us have and faced a lot of the challenges that we face. And so God knows what we're going through. He knows what we struggle with. So if we shift back to the Bible and look at the Gospels, we'll see the four Gospels, Mark, Matthew, uh, Luke, and John. And these all talk about, they detail Jesus' life. That's why they're the Gospels. And each of them were written by a different person, so they're written from a different perspective. And so we can learn a little, something a little different from each one. And here, Luke, uh, 
he focused on Jesus' miracles of healing. So we see a little more focus on that, and, uh, and it shows us we can learn something a little bit different, even though each of the books might talk about some of the same stories, same situations. We can learn something different about, about those by which book we read. So if we revisit this passage in, in Luke, we have Jesus uh, in the desert for 40 days, and while he's there, he's being tempted by the, by the devil. And so if we read through this, we can learn about uh, how the devil schemes, how he's working tirelessly to, uh, to deceive us, to lead us away from God. And the first thing that we can learn is in this, uh, this first temptation is how the devil is opportunistic. And he tempts us, not at just some random time, he tempts us at an opportune time when we're at a moment of weakness, when we're at our weakest point with that particular issue. So we see here that Jesus has been fasting in the desert. And surely, you know, which fasting for 40 days in itself is a miracle, is a miraculous miracle. And... So after some time, obviously Jesus becomes hungry, you know, and yeah, some food would be good. And so, you know, when he's starting to feel those hunger pains and he's in the desert, nothing around him, no food, nothing. That's when the Jesus, that's when Satan shows up and tempts him. He knows Jesus is capable and he tempts him, turn this stone to bread, feed yourself. And he does it kind of in a goading way. You know, trying to attack his pride, if you will. Trying to trick him into doing something. And it would be easy for Jesus to do that. But he doesn't. He doesn't fall. He doesn't succumb to that temptation. And we'll find that that happens to us in our day-to-day lives all the time. You know, we're faced with temptations. And we can sometimes trick ourselves, you know, with how how we view that. You know, it might be, could be food, you know, what's your weakness? Food, alcohol, whatever it is. We can trick ourselves. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a good person. I've been good this week. I deserve that extra drink tonight. You know, I've already had a couple, but one more won't hurt. I deserve it. I was good this week. Um, You know, and before we know it, we've fallen victim to that temptation. And, you know, we try to excuse it away. And we, we can't do that. We can't. Um, use that line of reasoning that's the devil's trick and we need to avoid uh, making excuses for it you know we need to confront those things those things those weaknesses the sins the things that we struggle with confront them acknowledge them and face them head on that's the only way that we can overcome them in the future so if we go to the second temptation here in just a blink of an eye the devil shows Jesus, all the, all the kingdoms of the earth. And he offers them to him. But all you have to do is worship me. Worship the devil, and I'll give you all the kingdoms. They're yours. They were given to me. I can give them to whomever I want. But that's the devil's second trick. First, it's coming to us when we're at our weakest. Second, it's mixing truth with deceit. And, and we see that. In, in this case, Satan does have some authority over the world, but it's temporary. And because it's temporary, it's not his to give. 
And as Jesus stated, we're to worship only God alone. So, and if we look about in the world, we'll see that there's many false preachers out there. And so that's why we always have to be on guard. We have to be familiar with Scripture, with the Bible, be able to recognize those false preachers. And you've probably seen examples where somebody will take a biblical truth, and they might just twist it slightly. They might take it out of context, and they do so just enough to lure their listeners and make them comfortable with living in sin with their choices. One of those is the emerging church or movement that pretends uh, to be Christian, and they use methods that are sensitive to today's culture, making the gospel more palatable. And essentially what they're doing is they're making it inclusive of everyone in their lifestyles, convincing people to, um, to accept their sin as okay, and that there's no consequences for, for doing that. And there are. And in this way, we have emotions are overriding what's in the Bible. And that's not, that's not okay. The Bible is never changing, and it's everlasting. So it doesn't change based on cultures changing or society changing their views. Now, if we look at this, this second uh, temptation, we can pull, peel back another layer, and we can look at it another way. And we find that there's, there's hidden consequences to some of these choices that we might make. So here, it's not a simple temptation you know, at face value. Here, what the devil's trying to do is he's trying to break the bond between father and son, between God and Jesus. And in doing so, he break that union. And if, if Jesus had succumbed to that temptation, he wouldn't have been able to fulfill his mission. He wouldn't have been able to grant us our salvation. So imagine the, the huge repercussions for all of us had Jesus succumbed. And so we see that with a lot of the temptations we face with some of the sins that we, we commit. There's hidden temptations. Sometimes it's easy. A lot of times the wrong choice is the easy choice. And so that's why we have to be strong. And making those choices, there can be hidden consequences. We can succumb to peer pressure. You know, give in and, and participate in the drinking or the drugs, um, which will be cool and fun at the moment, maybe. But there's hidden dangers, hidden consequences. We can quickly, you know, fall victim to any number of crimes. We can go down that road, continue making that choice, and uh, live a life of addiction. Let that rule our life. We can lose the respect of our friends and family. There's so many hidden consequences that sometimes don't reveal themselves until it's too late. So finally, if we look at the third temptation in Luke, in this scenario, we see Satan tempts Jesus to test God. And we have our own sinful desires, you know, that tempt us from within, and Satan will often try to tempt us from without. And it's important to note, as uh, James 1.13 tells us, God does not tempt us with evil. And it's important to remember that. You know, there's a lot of bad things that happen in the world, a lot of bad things that happen to us, to our friends, to our family. And part of that's because God gave us free will, free choice. And sometimes we don't make the right choices and bad things can happen. So remember, God doesn't tempt us with evil. But he does use temptation to reveal our hearts. 
their tests and they reveal who we really are and how we react to those, how we respond. So here, it wasn't Jesus' desire to test God, but Satan tempting him. And as Jesus said, we are not to put God to the test. So just remember that when, when we're struggling with things where we're, you know, trying to get something in our life. You know, not to test God, not to put him to the test. We have to pray for him, you know, for help and for guidance. So we've looked at three specific temptations, which again, at face value, you know, basically if you read this at face value, we should avoid temptation. But you can dig in a little deeper to each of those and see that there's more meaning behind it. But we can still, we can take another step back from that and look at this another way. And if we look at verse 13, the last verse, we see that it states, when the devil had finished every temptation. So what we see there is that while Jesus was in the, in the desert for 40 days, he was being tempted continuously. The devil was tempting him for the full 40 days with all the temptations he could come up with that were rel relevant to what God was going through, to what Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus was going through at that time. And then if we look at the second half, Satan left him until an opportune time. And what that suggests is that after the 40 days, after the 40 days and Jesus went to, you know, continue with his ministry and interact with people, the devil, the devil was there. He was always there, waiting for those opportune times, you know, when Jesus was facing a challenge, a struggle, and he'd be there to tempt him, to tempt him to make the wrong choice. And so remember that when we're going through our choices. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was the Son of God. And he left a, led an incredible, amazing life. But Satan was there all the time trying to tempt him, trying to lead him astray. So if, if Jesus faces those challenges, surely we're going to as well. And we, we can learn from Jesus in how we deal with those, how we uh, seek for strength, how we arm ourselves so we can defend ourselves from those temptations. And so looking at this, kind of have to ask the question, why did Jesus go to the desert in the first place? Why was he there fasting? And what we find is he was there to grow closer to God, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was trying to make a decision. He was trying to decide how he was going to lead men to God. Remember what I talked about earlier, you know, with God interacting with people in the early days, providing the Bible for us, sending Jesus to earth. Um, you know, God has been trying to lead us to him. And so here's Jesus in the desert trying to trying to figure out how he's going to do that. Does he, does he lead people to God by, um, by giving in, by compromise? Or just does he lead them to God through, through honoring God? <clears throat> does he compromise with evil, with a show of power, or by honor and service to God? So and I think we could see what you know, what path he chose. He chose to honor God, to service God. And he could have chosen that first, that first temptation. He could have turned that stone to bread, had a nice meal, and gone back home, gone on his way. And, you know, impressed everybody with miracle after miracle, but he didn't do that. 
That wasn't the right path. Instead, he chose to honor God. And remember, you know, 10 years, 20 years, or whatever time period of, of miracles, that's not everlasting. But what Jesus did for us by choosing to honor God and service to God and securing our salvation, you know, that's something that we can all be thankful for, but it's everlasting. So remember, Jesus didn't compromise. He honored God in all things. And yes, he was tempted with all sorts of compromises and shortcuts, promises of fortune and rewards, but he never wavered. And we need to be strong and never waver as well. So why? Why didn't he compromise? It could have been so easy to just avoid a lot of suffering. Remember, how many towns was he run out of because they didn't like what he was saying? You know, forget the, the crucifixion. You know, that in itself was horrendous and painful. You know, he could have avoided all that. But our salvation was worth it. And so he, he kept on. He knew his mission in life. And remember that God was a living example, or Jesus was a living example for us. And how many examples in the Bible are there of Jesus correcting others, correcting the teaching of religious leaders, demonstrating how to teach those that are less fortunate, that maybe are viewed as less worthy? And he showed us that our actions and our hearts are more important than just appearing to be righteous. So how do we defend ourselves from all these temptations? How do we defend ourselves from Satan? Well, we can learn from Jesus. We can be armed with Scripture. Get familiar with the Bible. Read it in its entirety. Understand it. And make sure that we don't grab Scripture out of context. Read it within its context, the context of the story, the context of the book that it's in, context of the Bible. It makes a difference. Um, so, and the next thing is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus went into the, into the desert for 40 days filled with the Holy Spirit. He needed the Holy Spirit to strengthen him, help him. And we need that as well. So we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us, to guide us, to help us. And even though we may be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're still going to be tempted with the desires of the flesh. But if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we won't carry those out. And if you read Galatians 5.16, it'll tell us that. So each day, yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Walk, walk in conscious dependence on him. Remember, Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit so much so, so much more so do we need to as well. And lastly, spend time with God. How many times do we see God, or Jesus going out, finding his time on the mountain in the desert, elsewhere to pray? Pray and spend time with God getting to know him, getting to grow closer. We need that as well in our lives. So take that time to grow in obedience to God so that we can try to resist these temptations. And so as you leave here today, or as you go about your, your life, whatever that may be restricted to these days, uh, just remember that Jesus was human. He was made like us in every way. And so there's a good chance he faced some of the temptations, some of the challenges that we face. In some ways, he faced them, you know, far worse challenges than we do. And pray. Pray for insight. Pray for wisdom, guidance, healing, for help. Dedicate time to reading the Bible. 
And the more you read, the better you'll come to understand God's word. The better you'll come to understand God's heart and his will for us, his desires for us. And in this way, God will delight in answering your prayers. So begin each day with prayer. And then you have the rest of the day to see how God answers those prayers, how he works in your life. And if we trust in him as Savior and walk in his strength each day, we can overcome, overcome those temptations when they hit, as they surely will every day. Amen.